Welcome to the Omni Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. Today is December 10th, 2020. I am your host, Chris Waldman, and I am joined, as always, by Ann Mazinga and Emma the Intern. How are you guys doing today? Hey, it's a, it's another day in December, Chris. We've made it another oh, week. This week. This has probably been my least favorite week of the year. Whatever that <laughs> saying is that everything can go wrong, will go wrong. That's this week. A bot attacked the website today. I think I finally got that Omnitalk site today. Like we had like just crazy traffic. I think like 100,000 hits on the website this morning. So we had to get that figured out. I think I've got that stabilized. Who knows? I'll probably be checking chat lines as we're doing this. But man, I don't know. And Emma, Emma the intern, you're famous now. I cannot tell you how many people each week stop and say to me, that Emma the intern, that is pretty cool what you got going on there. So I, how are you dealing with this newfound fame in the world of uh, retail pundancy? I feel pretty good. I mean, I, I have no complaints. I like that people like what I have to say. Are you, are you walking around on campus with your head held high in that master's program at University of Minnesota? Of course, I would assume well, you're walking on campus. I was going to say, I haven't actually been to campus since the spring semester. But I, yeah, I would say more so on like LinkedIn, I'm holding my head up high. Nice. Virtually. Gonna, this pandemic's over. You're going come, to come, you're going to go back to school and people are going to be like, that's Emma the intern from <laughs> It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. But speaking of amazing, we've got an awesome show today. We're going to talk a little Walmart and their failures in VR. I can't wait for that. We're going to leave the show with that some online banking with Stripe, text messaging and shopping. Of course, discuss a little Amazon. And then we're going to close with an homage to the Ikea catalog. It was a sad day this week, my friends, a sad, sad day. And a big thank you to everyone that tuned in last week. We had a ton of chatter on Kohl's and Sephora on LinkedIn, on email. Thanks to loyal listeners like Jay Perlman, who chimed in with his thoughts where it all sounds great, but at the end of the day, there just might not be anything Kohl's can do, despite what they try to put inside those four walls. We're going to be watching that closely, but great to hear how excited everyone was when we covered that story. Before we get going, though, I do have a question. I got to put Emma the intern on the spot. And I might put you a little on the spot with this one, too, although this is more in Watch your it. Bally wick, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Chuck Yeager passed away this week, 97 years old. Again, not a great week, but 97 years old. Who is Chuck Yeager? I have no idea. And no oh my gosh it's not like it's it's not like he broke the speed of sound the sound barrier at all or anything like that by doing what like running famous test pilot of all time he was in the right stuff you ever see that movie the right stuff i'll put it on my quarantine list my father revered him god bless his soul both of them now god bless both their souls revered him but yes the man that broke the speed of sound passed away today so we need to pay him our respects. All right. And by doing and to do that, we're going to talk retail headlines. So first up, Walmart. Walmart announced this week that they have shut down Inspirience. That's a cool name. The Los Angeles-based VR startup formerly known as Spatial Land because, you know, the second name is better than the first. If you remember, the Walmart acquired, excuse me, Walmart acquired Spatial Land in early 2018 and operated it underneath its store on store number eight incubator program. Now, Walmart spokesman did confirm the closure for protocol who released the news, but they did not comment on any layoffs. 
Now, if you remember, this whole thing started in 2017. Walmart contracted Spatial Land to do a VR showcase for one of their store number eight Innovate conferences. Then they were acquired and then they started exploring VR shopping. Then they changed the name in 2020 and blah, 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 blah. It's now shuttered. Now, a Walmart spokesperson had this to say, quote, we have what we have learned about virtual reality applications in retail and the current opportunity for VR enabled commerce has been invaluable. We will continue to explore opportunities within mixed reality, among other areas, while keeping the Walmart customer at the center of our expectations. End quote. And what do you think of this one? Well, you know, back in 2017 and 2018, you can't really fault Walmart. I mean, you it was like the early days of social oh, I, media. Yeah, I think you can. Oh, I don't know. I think like really? I think oh. you almost had to have a box check that says like, yes, we're a major company in the United States and yes, we are focused on we have somebody working on VR. Like it wasn't well strategized or planned, I don't believe, but I think that they were going in there and they're like we got to we got to do something with it. I don't know that it makes sense. I mean, for us we talk about this all the time. I think that, you know, it's not a bad thing to do some testing, like explore for sure, but I think that a common theme that, you know, I'm seeing for the show this week even and that we're starting to see right now is retailers defunding R&D type projects to focus on what the immediate customer need is right now. And I'm sure that it was a big amount of resources and expense to have this whole thing going on and you know we still don't really see this like trend taking off with vr i don't think in retail like again we'll say it until like gaming and porn becomes more right. of a vr thing that people are willing to invest in i i just don't see people like running to do vr shopping um so i think it makes sense that they're cutting this program and going to put it towards smarter tech and and this investment in stores yeah, I think it's, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I think it's a great move. I think this thing's been a clown car from the get-go. I mean, I've written about this a couple times now. We were on this topic early. Like, why are you guys doing this? This is going to be a gigantic waste of money. This is where I don't agree where I don't think all testing is good testing. I think this was just, I think this was quite frankly, just silly. Um, and the amount of hype they were trying to get around it, if you remember a couple years ago, in terms of trying to do it, training dragons in the parking lots and stuff like that. What I found really telling is that quote from the, from the spokesperson too, we're going to explore opportunities in mixed reality. Like mixed reality is not necessarily VR. And I, we've always said there's opportunities for mixed reality in retail, but VR, no way. And the thing for me too, and Anne, you kind of hit on this as well. Like there were a lot of pundits out there saying like coronavirus this year, let's go invest. You should be investing in VR. If you're not, you're going to be behind. That was like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like personally, like if you were saying that on social, you lost credibility with me immediately. Like, because that is just, you are playing and pandering to whatever the thing is of the moment. It doesn't make sense. And you're right. Like, until you're doing it in porn or video games, it ain't going to happen for retail. And even when it does, it's going to be a shift in digital. It's not going to be a substitute for stores. So come on, let's get real. Emma, what, I mean, any concluding thoughts here, Emma, the intern, you know, younger generation on VR. I mean, are we, Ann and I just missing this completely? No, I wanted to believe in VR. Like back when I started the retail merch program, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But now that we're, you know, many months into a pandemic, and I think people still prefer to shop in person over online. I just think like VR didn't take off and I don't really think it's going to. 
Yeah, and there's a ton of applications and things outside of shopping for retailers. Like when you think of store design and things of that nature that are more kind of in the back office or how you do things day to day. But like this whole like shopping by VR right now, like I, I just I couldn't agree more with just the massive amount of investments they were doing. And by the way, what store store number eight, like what has really happened from that since it was formed? It's still pretty hard to tell that, too, if we're keeping score. I don't know. And last I, thought. I don't I don't hate it. I mean, oh, I hated this, this one. Really? No, I mean, I, I the story makes sense to me. I'm saying like store number eight, like it's it's an R and D arm, and I feel like we're going against our background if we're like you shouldn't have an R and D arm. Oh yeah, I'm not saying that. I just said I, you're right. Good good clarification. The bets that were placed early within the store innovate store number eight program just yes. were not the right bets. The only place that I would still be exploring VR if I was Walmart is in the entertainment area. If they're really mm-hmm. looking to like build up their entertainment and you start to think about just all of the like cluster that's 100%. happening with like gaming right now and the consoles being shipped out, but no games to be applied there. Like if they want to start exploring gaming and you know how they get their own streaming channel as part of like a Walmart pr- plus program, I, I would still have eggs in that basket, but, but totally. for shopping, no. Totally, totally. So let's move. Let's move on. Let's move on some, to something that, as I said, I think is decidedly not cool to something that is actually, I think, incredibly cool and transformative. So Emma. All right. I thought you were going to say this story was not cool. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I think this is, <laughs> this is amazing. So WhatsApp has introduced a new shopping feature called Carts, which allows users to shop from businesses through direct messages. So some background on this and how it works. So with Carts, customers can browse a catalog, select multiple products, and send the order as one message to a business. The new feature adds a shopping button, which looks like a storefront icon, to access a business catalog. And then when you're visiting that business catalog, WhatsApp users can click on the message a business button to start a conversation or use the add to cart option to place an order with the business. I think this is so cool. I utilize chat functions on different retailers' websites all the time. And I love that they're trying to implement that. Just put it all in one cart. You can buy it all in one place. And WhatsApp is so like universally used. I think that this is definitely awesome. So Emma, I got to ask, for all the Emma the Intern fans out there who are talking to me about you every day, who are like, yeah, I love that like younger Gen Z perspective. Like, what are you, when you say you're, you're chatting with retail brands all the time, like, what are you doing? Paint that picture for us. Usually, if I'm going to use that kind of function, it's, if I'm looking at a product and I just kind of have a question, which is usually like clothing or shoes, I'll be like, do these fit true to size or what's the inseam on this? And it just allows me to get a better understanding of what I'm trying to purchase. You know, I want to know that it's going to fit if I'm going to invest the money and the people on the chats can answer all of those questions. So you're in the funnel chatting already. Like that, yes. it's, this isn't like a post-purchase customer service chat interaction. You're like in the purchase funnel trying to make decisions. Okay. That's huge. I hope everyone listening really recognizes this. And I have a clarifying question for you, Emma. What's your yep. expected response time from this chat? I usually only do the chats if it's live, like they can answer right then and there. I've done a couple where I want to know if something's ever going to come back in stock that I'm willing to like wait for the person to respond. But usually I like to have the live, if it's during normal business hours, have the live chat. Sure. And you find that that's consistent across most of the sites that you're... Most of them. Yes. See, go ahead, Chris. No, you go. I think you, I was you keep say, that's that the, point, please. That's the question that, that's still outstanding for me here is, um, you know, obviously 
many of these larger sites have bots that are able to, you know, respond or that are, can predict answers to questions. We've seen, you know, tons of people in that space. But my question is around, you know, WhatsApp being a platform for small businesses and what's now the expectation from the small businesses to respond to those chats? Because I think I, I love this from like a commerce should be happening across more platforms um, and, and just the whole like innovation of it. But, you know, my questions still come down to, and one, one other clarifying thing about this is that while you're able to batch an order and send it, you're still not transacting in that WhatsApp transaction. So there's still somebody on the other end that has to process that transaction. And I know it's still early days, but I think it's just those two things. I think if you're really going to be the platform for small business, um, how, what's the expectation from the small businesses and how should, how should myself as a WhatsApp, you know, retailer be thinking about how I strategize for that? Yeah, that's a good point. I, th- I think, yeah, you're hitting on too. Like, yeah, what is the automation of commerce within the text messaging platform, right? Like that's, I think that's the unlock. And we've talked about that for a long time too, that, you know, we think that, you know, text messaging e-commerce are probably going to be that um, one of those next frontiers of, of commerce platforms, um, and for what it's worth, we had an awesome conversation yesterday that we'll be, we, we will be releasing soon on email as another potential commerce platform that goes right along with this conversation. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out, but you're right. And yeah, like from a small business perspective, or even from a consumer perspective, how do you automate that quickly? What is the user flow? What does the interface look like in, you know, inside of that, I think is the big question. The thing I always think about with this story if you're a loyal listener of the show, all of our spotlight series, every time we interview someone, we ask them the same three questions, right? It's our kind of like nods inside the actor studio. And the one question we always ask people at the end is what's the one social media app that you use? And one of the answers that I always remember, and it was from Thong, Thong Nguyen, who specializes in VR, believe it or not, but VR for design said, my favorite social app is text messaging. Mm-hmm. And he threw that he like threw that curveball at us so well because I like had never thought about that. And that is true. Text messaging is by far and away the app that we use to socialize the most. It's not Facebook, it's not Instagram, it's actual text messaging. And so tapping into that for commerce, there's something there. There's a huge there there, as one of our buddies would say. And so that's what I'm fascinated by. And the fact that we're now seeing this come to play, in addition to all the stuff we've had with Instagram shops and whatnot over the last few weeks, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the thing about messaging with Thong said, and I think which is a consistent theme, messaging or emails is that everybody's Mm -hmm. used to that platform. It's part of your natural behavior to be communicating with people that way and to expect responses or get more information um, in that way from, you know, your local donut shop, which... Mrs. Omnitalk contacted via DM at, you know, 1030 at night to make sure that you can pick up donuts the next morning at five o'clock in the morning to, you know, the major mass retail out there. Like this is something that you should be putting resources and effort towards if you're any kind of retailer. Yeah. It seems, it seems like a great thing to start exploring. And I think one of the other things I've learned after doing this for three or four years is if you don't start the experimentation, it's really hard to catch up. And that's why we rail on like the things with VR too. It's like, that's not the place to be experimenting. Use your money to experiment on the things where you really will get behind uh, if you, if you aren't thinking about it in the right way. So, all right, let's hit story number three. And I think that's yours if I'm it not mistaken. It is. Yes. Okay. So Stripe has announced that they are going to be getting into the business of 
embedded business banking with a service they're calling Stripe Treasury. So Stripe, the fintech startup, I don't know that I would still consider them a startup, but whatevs, (laughs) uh, most commonly known for payments processing. $100 billion. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know when you flip that switch, but uh, anyway, uh, they're most commonly known for payments processing. Um, They will be able to provide bank accounts to their customers, namely Shopify. So Shopify announced that they will be using Stripe Treasury to power Shopify Balance. Now, I feel like there's like seven degrees of the story. Shopify right. yeah, where's Balance. Where's Kevin Bacon in this story? Right. <laughs> Shopify Balance is a program that Shopify rolled out earlier this year that provides Shopify merchants with faster access to capital and the ability to do all of their business faster and easier because the banking part of it, the capital funding for their business is all confined into one system. So the service is invite only for now. um, And Stripe is saying that they do not want to become a bank. It's partnering with banks like Goldman Sachs and Evolve to help get this uh, off the ground. But what I think is important to note here is that we're seeing this trend continue of trying to embed payments, embed checkout. Like, how do you make it so that from a retailer's perspective and from a customer perspective, you can stay in the experience that you're in and not leave it and be able to do all of the things. Um, and especially, you know, when you talk about platforms like Shopify, big commerce and others, like they have everything to gain from keeping your business banking in house. You look at all the, you know, the per transaction fee that they're collecting. You look at, you know, all of the, okay. the fees that they're getting interest they're accruing from having, you know, these companies have bank account bank accounts with them now instead of like having to feed in a bank and all of the other things that have to happen operationally for businesses to run. Um, if they can keep that in house, they own it all. They own all the information about how these transactions are going down. And in the end, it can end up being better for the merchants too, because those fees hopefully are getting condensed as the business scales. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that too. Like, yeah, there's some there's some real stickiness to this when you start talking about I'm a I'm a business and my bank is through my commerce platform. Right. That's going to be a hard switch. I wonder if you'll start to see like regulations come into play, like anti competition regulations, like we saw with Microsoft and browser embedding. You know, in the late right. '90s, as they start to talk about this, fascinating. You love this though, don't you? Like, you're like, a, are you like, are you like a ten on this? Yeah, I mean, I. I'm a huge fan of the Shopify balance program in general. I mean, I just think that it's it's kind of challenging the way that traditional banks are doing business and they're trying everything every way that they can to make it simpler for their merchants. So Well, put that put that in perspective because I don't think people really possibly, you know, if you haven't tried to do that, I don't think people really understand the importance of this too of like setting up a bank account as a new business especially, and you'd think it'd be easier within the coronavirus in some ways, because you can't, you don't have to go into a bank and now they have processes stood up to do that. Like how involved was that? Like how hard was it for you to do that for Urban Rooster, let's say? I mean, it was a total disaster. I mean, we're working with a national bank. You'd think that they'd have the, the systems in place during a pandemic when, you know, but they wanted me to come into a branch and every single person who's involved with the account to come into a branch and set it up. And that's that's just like the setup of an account. That's not even like going to the uh, the bank for loans for your business. And like Shopify Balance is looking at you know your past 
purchase history and sales data and allowing you to get loans or get capital, you know, in a matter of minutes because they can see that you you have a viable business going. It's not trying to prove to giant national bank or even small local bank, like I have a business model here. I need some capital to keep it going. Like Shopify is trying to streamline that whole process. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, and I'm gonna call it what it is. Like Wells, look it out because you got competition coming here. Like it took us a freaking month to set up a bank account. Like that is ridiculous in today's day and age. Like I should be you that it shouldn't happen. And you can see why this is this is coming. Like you can see why there's so innovation here. The other thing I like about this, the name. It's just it's just Stripe Treasury. It's not like you know, Stripe Penetrobe or whatever those hell else names we said or whatever, you know, it's just like, it's just factual. Like, here's what the hell it is, you know, take it or leave it. We're going to do it. We're going to change the world. Boom. Done. Kinda Treasury like doesn't have a dollar sign instead of the S. Yes. Right. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. Right. It's not treasure with the hyphen Y, you know, something like that, you know, on the spot. But like, I just respect that because we, God, there's too many, it's too much of that crap out there. All right. Let's keep moving. I got story number four. This is quick. And then we'll get to the IKEA story at the end. But hey, we talked about it last week. It's, and holy crap, it's already happened. Amazon opened up another grocery store this time. Give it as of today. They are now operating Amazon Fresh in Chicago. So they opened up a 35,000 square foot store today in Naperville, Illinois. It is Amazon's fifth fresh location. If you remember, there's four other ones in California. And they've also confirmed plans to go into New Jersey. So just putting that into perspective, everyone, that is three states in one year. Amazon will have grocery, large grocery store operations in three states in one year. Wrote about this in Forbes yesterday, released the article. Personally, I think Amazon going into grocery, full-scale grocery stores is the biggest story of 2020. And Emma, do you agree or would you throw something else into the mix? Emma, you loved this story last week. You were all about Amazon grocery ride or die. What are you still feeling that way? Yeah, I'll say that the next time I do the Minnesota to New York drive, I will absolutely go out of my way just to stop at the Chicago suburb oh, of Amazon man. Fresh and New Jersey, even if they make it to New Jersey by the time I do that. Well, that's the hometown. You got to stop there. And would you put this at the top of the list? Okay. Well, first, I have to ask if any of you watch the show Big Mouth. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I've there was a, a there was a recent episode in this last season where they're showing what the world looks like in like 2052 and one of my favorite scenes from the movie or from the show was like they they're arresting somebody like the world's ending and there's like Amazon police force and behind you it's like <laughs> Amazon meets and like everything is just <laughs> Amazon controlled which I I loved that little hint but I think that this is like you said Chris one of the biggest things of 2020 for sure going to continue into 2021. I mean, if if I'm placing any predictions, it's like this is going to be a huge mark on the 2021 timeline for the grocery industry. And I think it's the, the beginning of, of a massive shift in how things are done. There's a quote in the Chain Storage article that I pulled out because I think it's very special to um, discussing this topic. They talk about this Amazon Fresh store as a store that's designed to appeal to a shopper looking for the best of everything, the best product mix, the best technology, and the best shopping experience. And they're also 
hitting price on that, which they don't include in there. Like they just announced all of these prices that they're going to have in this new Chicago store. And it's like 15 cent bananas. It's all these other deals, like $2 and 69 cents for a 12 pack of Coke. Like all these basic needs that people have from both the name brands and from their own brands, they they've got price, value, convenience, technology, like all wrapped into one. And who in the hell is going to be able to compete with that? Like, and they're only going to get better. Like they're just going to keep collecting all this data. And if they need more organic produce in one store, they'll go leverage and tap the whole foods. Like it's just, they've got it figured out. So So, I'm really, that's what you're saying. I'm really concerned. I'm really concerned concerned. for the rest of the grocery (laughs) industry (laughs) because what happened in that big mouth episode is, is not going to be 2052. I think it's going to be 2022 that we're looking at some serious grocery changes and issues. Anne's got the tinfoil hat on again. She's got the tinfoil oh. hat on. I don't think you're far off. I mean, for me, looking back at 2020, it was it was this. It was this close one and two, neck and neck. This with just how aggressively now Facebook is going into sure. uh, commerce. It was it was those, and then everything else was a distant second. And you can try and tell me it's about curbside pickup or something like that. Sorry, it's not. That was already there. It was already happening. It was going to happen anyway. Like, sure, it's maybe exploded, but and retailers are, you know, finally seeing what they have to do. Uh, but like, those are the two really, I think, big like decade changers where 2020, 2030 is going to look really different on those on those sides of things. And actually, now all the different things you have to stand up on fulfillment underneath that, especially like with Facebook and whatnot and Instagram and I'm sorry, Amazon and its marketplace, like that's going to still change everything completely, especially when you throw Shopify into the mix too. Um, all right. Whoa. Let's go to the, let's go in the other direction. Let's talk about cigarette on this, man. This was tough. I didn't think, I thought today's topics were a little like, okay, but man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling I need some, some refraction time. All right. And you go, what's the last one here? All right, you guys, I have some sad news. Ikea is closing the book on its iconic printed catalog. After 70 years of shipping the Ikea catalog, sadly, it's dying now. And I don't know about you guys, but you know what I have to say? You know what doesn't require translation into 32 languages and cost an additional roughly ballpark $100 million to produce yearly? A website. So... Sayonara, days of the catalog for Ikea. I'm, I'm not going to miss you. And I don't think it. that Gen Z is either. But Emma, Chris, what do you think? I would love to, I think what I was, I would love to see the, like the actual funeral procession for the catalog drawn out with like a sketch, like in the Ikea instruction manuals of how this works. Like, I think that would be really funny. Like, like, or to draw a pictorial of the meeting that they, they had to make this decision. But I don't know. What do you think? I, I, I don't think I'm going to miss it that much. Emma, what do you think? I'm probably biased just because like I came into the university of Minnesota as an interior design major. So okay. like I will miss this. I love yeah. home furnishings catalogs. However, if they put each one, like they make it, but they just put it on the website or they put all of the archives on their website, like that'll suffice for me. But you still yeah. want a printed catalog? A little bit. It's a like rare exception just for home furnishings. I don't really care about anything else. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, I will, mm-hmm. yeah, I do tend to look at those kinds of things when I get them in the mail, and I do think that has an impact on on where you purchase things, especially for that category, which I know fairly well. And I'm curious. So, I got to go. I got to go a little pop culture here. 
what's, is there anything in your mind? I'm, I'm asking a leading question here because I want to tell you what mine is, but is there anything that comes to your mind when you think of the Ikea catalog? Like what's the first like, like mental association you make with the Ikea catalog? I guess nothing. I don't make nothing? it a mental association. I'm not a, it's not a category, but you have obviously have some. Well, so share. well I'm, and I'm curious how many people out there have this too. Like what I always, and you, I think this might jog you a little bit. What I always think of is fight club. Do you remember the scene in fight club where Edward Norton like plans his whole life around the Ikea catalog and then like decorating his house. Emma's shaking her head. Emma, I actually know that one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I always think about that. It was like 2000, 1999, I think was when that movie came out, maybe 2000. And like, it was like this coming of the age thing. None of us knew what it was. Then all of a sudden Ikea exploded and like, it was all about that catalog. And so like, to not have that anymore, like takes that little piece of nostalgia out of my life, which quite frankly, I'm probably no worse off for, but that's at least, you know, what I'm thinking about. But, you know, I think it, it just shows you where everything, you know, is for sure moving. Well, catalogs are not dead. I mean, there's tons of, there's like science that's out of what it, you know, that make a case for direct mail still to be a thing. I just, I don't think that Gen Z is going to stand for this with the sustainability of, you know, all of the, the, what is it like 200 million versions of this catalog that were sent out and just the expense. I think that, you know, you're starting to see everybody again. It's like this shift of what can we get rid of? What money can we free up to really focus on technology? Like there's a story today, even McDonald's, they said they're going to stop paying their franchisees for the happy meal toys because they want the franchise franchisees to allocate those funds towards better technology in the stores. Like it's just, it's not, you're not getting a return on the investment and certainly the carbon footprint that it's leaving behind is, I just think the Gen Z's are not going to go with that. But I mean, you look at restoration hardware too, in this home furnishings category, oh, yeah. maybe it's just the category specifically where like they're, they have zero digital presence. They are not online. They're not on social. They're like not, nothing. They have their website, but no social presence. Um, and they're still sending out their giant coffee table catalogs. So there's still definitely a use. I just, I think we're going to start to see more and more companies cutting R&D, cutting excessive catalog deliveries, um, especially with Ikea seeing like a 45% increase or whatever this year in online sales. So sign up. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like, yeah, it's an interesting point. Like that are people are just going to start doing that and, to, and going hard after the things they know, they the table stakes, things they know they have to do. Like, Which, you know, text when their commerce. guns press their head. Well, <laughs> right. like, I, don't, I don't you want to know? That in that. Well, I don't even know if I throw that in the mix, but like the things that are really, you know, built around like all the flexible types of fulfillment that you sure. need to have. And or stores like, and stuff. Yeah. Like Ikea. Yeah. How do you read yeah. yeah. Redesign the stores to make this all work. Like all that kind of stuff too. But yeah, no, it's, I don't know. It's fast. We'll see. Like, it's funny how the pendulum swings too. So like the fact that Emma, the intern here, the youngest member of the Omnitox staff is saying like, I'm going to kind of miss this. You know, I'm curious if you don't see the swing back where maybe there's something that comes back down, down the, down the, down the pipe later on, um, you know, for every trend, there's a counter trend. So, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks so much for sticking with us today. A big happy birthday to one of my favorite actresses from Entourage, Emmanuel Shriquet, Michael Schaffling. Any idea who Michael Schaffling is? No. Oh, you'll know in a second. He was the beau in 16 candles i think the dude turned like 60 today he's like everyone's favorite one hit 
wonder, which I don't even know what you call a one-hit wonder in acting. Did, do you guys watch? Loves him. I'm throwing in another show, but do you watch the David Letterman interviews? Did you see the Robert Downey Jr.? He was talking about Anthony Michael Hall being like one of his best friends. Oh man, time has not been kind to that guy. I didn't even recognize him. Like all these, yeah, all these all these so actors different. from the like eighties, man, you, they're hardly recognizable anymore. Yeah, oh, he fame. Looks a little- Emma, stay young. With all your fame, you got to stay young. Don't turn out like one of these '80s actors or actresses. <laughs> that that's right. You definitely, you definitely do not. You definitely do not. And remember, even more importantly, if you only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it Omni Talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news, and our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, and also features special content exclusive to us, and just for you, all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks for always listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. And of course, from Anne, from Emma the Intern, and from me, be careful out there. The Army Talk Fast Five is brought to you by FastSensor. FastSensor is the first AI-powered business intelligence platform that provides business owners with ROI-focused optimization tools tailored to fit your organization. With FastSensor, you can successfully monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization from customer flow to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotions. Visit FastSensor.com to learn more. The Omni Talk Fast Five is also brought to you by Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.